0: good moment america how are you this is the terry wilkerson show and i am terry and i'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the world This is episode number 69. I hope everybody out there is having a blessed day. I hope your uh, entire week is going fantastic. We're a little early on the release of the show this week. Um, a lot going on in our area weather-wise, so it, it's hard for us to... Down here in Southeast Pennsylvania, we have a lot of flash flood warnings and a lot of tornado warnings coming through. So it's kind of tough to tell what the weather's going to do later on in the week. So we figured we'd just get this episode out today. Uh, also, I, I really want to start out today by posing a hypothetical to everybody out there, kind of a what would you do, which is essentially what a hypothetical is. Let me start out by explaining that earlier today I was driving down 69th Street in, did technically it's upper Derby, Pennsylvania, but people consider it Philly. I was driving down 69th Street. I made a left onto Chestnut at five miles an hour, the safe speed. And a young man walked into my side view mirror. Now, I did not hit him. He walked into my side view mirror. I, of course, pulled over, jumped out of the car, ran over to him. He was continuing to walk down 69th Street. I asked him if he needed an ambulance or if I needed to call the police. And he repeatedly said, no, 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 no. And I kept asking, are you sure? Are you okay? Now there was a lady who at some point had yelled out, you hit him. I I think I heard it twice. And then nothing after that, the lady drove away or went away or whatever it happened to be. But I did ask this young man, you know, are you okay? Do you need an ambulance? Do you want me to call the police? And his response continually was no. Now he then proceeded to say, well, can you do me a favor? Can you drive me to 63rd Street? This did not feel like a good situation to me. This felt, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit dangerous. And I'm not a person that generally is concerned with the the possibility of danger presented by somebody else. But this situation felt just a little bit more, you know, off the beaten path than I am Comfortable with right now. And I did tell him no, I I was heading the opposite way of 63rd and, you know, I was heading home. So, my question, my hypothetical to everybody out there is in that scenario, the guy walks right into your side view mirror. Like I said, I didn't hit the guy. It's not like he hit the front bumper of my car. He walks into my side view mirror and then proceeds to ask for a ride to 63rd. I'm just curious, is it just me or is that suspicious to anybody else? Th- that's one of those, what would you do? Because I did what I thought was the right thing. I made sure that the guy was okay. He was, he didn't show any signs of being injured whatsoever. And then he decided to go on about his way. And when I stopped and asked him, that was his response. Can you drive me to 63rd street? So leave me, uh, you know, uh, uh Leave me a message over on Twitter, underscore, itl you know, underscore Wilkerson, or leave me a voice message, anchor.fm, Terry Wilkerson Show. Let me know what you would have done, you know, hit me up on Facebook or what have you. Just let me know what you would have done in that situation. Would you have handled it differently? Do you think I handled it the right way? So that was, this was literally an hour and a half ago before I sat down to record this episode. So still pretty fresh in my mind. It's still one of those things that uh, rattles you for a while and then. Yeah, when you realize the person is okay, that's the primary concern. So hit me up. Let me know what you would think uh, to do in that scenario. All right. With that being out of the way right off the bat, uh, again, I hope everybody is doing fantastic. The weather down here in southeast PA and apparently into the central parts of Jersey, it is just crazy down here right now. We have tornado warnings. We have tornado watches. We have flash flood warnings. Everything is just, excuse me, I'm a little phlegmy. Everything is just crazy down here, and it's that time of year. You know, we're approaching Labor Day. We're approaching that seasonal change from summer into fall, which I cannot wait for. I am just, I am chomping at the bit for autumn. I am not, as I've said this before, I am not a hot weather guy. It has a lot to do with the fact that I'm 300 pounds. I'm morbidly obese. But it has more to do with the fact that I just, I I think I function better in the cold. And I have had I, I've had scenarios in my life where I have been chilled to the absolute bone. And it's strange, but I'll take that over being covered in sweat any day. And we're approaching that. And I guess, you know, part of me, the scientific part of me just sits there and goes, well, it's that change in weather. We've gone from the extreme heat. And now we have these you know, colder fronts that are starting to move through. And of course, that's going to produce rain. That's going to produce storms. And I'm really just kind of hoping that's what it is and it's not (laughs) Mother Nature or God or what have you, just finally getting revenge on all the bullshit that has been going on in our country. So hopefully you're in an area of the world where you're not dealing with that right now. And if you are dealing with extreme weather, you know, keep yourself safe. That's the most important thing. That's what we're trying to do down here is keep everybody safe. Uh, Let's see. We're going to take a moment here. To talk about what's going on in the world as it pertains to the news and what I like to call the commentary, get it? Commentary segment. So, uh, the United States occupation of Afghanistan is now officially at an end. It ended yesterday. As I'm recording this, it is September 1st. It ended on August 31st. And it was an absolute clusterfuck, and it just. It didn't end well. Um, the the house plant in charge that that sock puppet that we have in the White House, he botched this thing about as badly as could humanly be done. And now we're finding out that so many of his generals, so many of his political and military advisors basically said, you know, Mr. President, we need to keep some type of presence in there at least until all of the American citizens and our Afghan allies have been extricated. And Biden, because everything he does has to be better than anything Trump ever did, uh, he basically said, "Ah, I don't care, you know, I got to go watch Matlock. This is just absurd. And there are people in the press, there are people, the blue checks on Twitter are just championing him he is the greatest thing in the world because he's not Donald Trump I don't understand how a man who's supposed to be a foreign policy expert can be this absolutely clueless when it comes to foreign policy we have been in Afghanistan for 20 years they're calling it America's longest war Uh, it's not a war when there has only been, until a few days ago, which we'll get to in a moment, there had only been one military casualty from the United States Armed Forces since, you know, the last year, since 2020. There had been one. There have now been 13 more. As you're aware, the suicide bombing in Kabul, you've probably heard... You probably heard quite a bit about it because it, it's one of those disturbing, disgusting moments that we know could have been prevented had we actually done things the right way. I'm, I'm stumbling over words because I'm trying to grasp the absolute and abject stupidity, lack of caring that must be in place for somebody like Joe Biden to allow this to happen. And let's face it, this was allowed to happen. They knew that there was going to be some form of a terrorist attack and they did nothing to prevent it. They just allowed this mishmash clusterfuck of people to be on the airstrip in Kabul. And now there are 13 brave men and women, American soldiers, who will never come home to see their families again how can how can anybody i mean how can how can you or i as just regular citizens how can we sit here and just brush that off if i can't and I, i'm just a citizen i'm just a person who loves my country i'm just a person who supports the military and i can't get that out of my head knowing that 13 brave men and women will never see their children grow up. They will never speak to their mothers and fathers again. They, they signed up to serve this country, and in the end, they gave their lives because our country abandoned them. Not our country. That's the wrong way of putting it. It was not our country that abandoned them. It was our government that abandoned them. This is what everybody who voted for Joe Biden gets i know you you're going to say well you yeah, nobody expected that no bullshit bullshit you're not going to tell me that they didn't expect this because Joe Biden said there they expected there to be some difficulties he used you know a more politically correct term i, I think uh, i don't i don't even recall what he said I know Jen Psaki turned it around and, you know, her usual absolutely abjectly stupid way of putting things. But Biden basically told us he knew there was going to be some problems. So basically what I'm getting out of that is Joe Biden saying, yeah, we had soldiers die. Yeah, We kind of knew that was going to happen. But, hey, we got 37,000 Americans out. It just seems like a random number that he pulled out of his ass while he was drinking his insure at the end of the night. This is what we've come to. This is how far we have fallen. We are a laughing stock now. Because the Taliban, the, uh, as, <laughs> I love the way Ben Shapiro puts it, the 8th century barbarians, they basically kicked us right out. And now we know, now we know, that they offered us, Taliban, that is, offered us control of the airport in Kabul, a, a Hamid Karzai airport, until... The evacuations were complete, and our gracious president, and it just makes me sick to my stomach to put the name president anywhere near him, our gracious houseplant in charge said, no, no, we'll take care of this, you know. And if we do, we do, and if we don't, we don't. And just look at the, just look at it, just look at the situation, and tell me that that's not the attitude he displayed. Fuck you, Joe Biden, and fuck everybody out there who supports that piece of shit still to this day. And for that matter, why were we still in Afghanistan? Barack Obama wanted to get us out. Donald Trump wanted to get us out. I, to this day, nobody can give me a true. And factually based reason that we went into Afghanistan. We all know George W. Bush talking about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, which somehow led to the occupation of Afghanistan. Look, I've said this a thousand times before. I'm an American isolationist. There is no reason for us to be occupying any other part of the world. There is no reason. For us to have a military presence in the Middle East, there was no reason for us to have a military presence anywhere, as far as nation-building policy goes. We need to protect our own borders. We need to protect our own country. Our military is there to fight for our country. We had no interest in Afghanistan. And I know a lot of people will say, we were over there helping an ally. Well, what an ally they proved to be! When here we are now, and now that China and Russia have basically jumped into, the, you know, the Taliban's living room, and said, "Here, here's a glass of vodka. Let's talk Turkey." Were they our allies? They say hindsight is twenty twenty, and I wear glasses, so I know about vision being a little messed up. But this is not a matter of hindsight. This is a matter of we knew it from the beginning. This is a matter of George W. Bush lied to us. And I've said it a thousand times. I voted for the man twice. I was snowed by him twice, just like everybody else. And now that I look back, see, in those days, I was a hardline Republican. Now that I look back and I... Think about the the lengths to which I went as a supporter of his to campaign regionally for him. I had yard signs in my house. When I look back, I just I feel like I was betrayed by this son of a bitch. And it didn't help that he turned around and, and he became when I say this. Context is king. When he came out in favor of Joe Biden over Donald Trump, it it didn't necessarily solidify what I was already thinking about him, but it certainly helped um, speed up my transition in terms of my uh, looking back at his presidency. I knew back then, In the depths of my soul, in the back of my head, I knew that George W. Bush was a horrible president. But I guess there was a part of me that was just glad to get rid of Bill Clinton. But now that I look back, I mean, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, was all the same thing. It's all power-grabbing, progressive, political bullshit. So we didn't need to be over there. I know that now. I supported the war at the very beginning because, you know, we are coming up on the 10-year anniversary or 20-year anniversary of September 11th. And I was just as pissed off as any human being alive. So I supported George W. Bush at the very beginning. At no point, though, did it ever occur to me that 20 years later we would still be in a nation, occupying a nation that had no benefit to this country. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to stop, not only stop policing the world, but we need to stop being the world's babysitter. We have enough to worry about here. I am an American isolationist. I have never hidden that fact. Worry about your own. I mean, think about this. When, when there's a natural disaster, and it's kind of appropriate that I'm sitting here in the middle of a tornado warning. When there's a natural disaster in your neighborhood, the first thing you look for is to make certain that your own family is okay. This is what we need to do as a nation. We need to make sure our own are okay. We abandoned Afghanistan we did it in such a terrible way that it has gotten people killed. And I'm hearing, the, I'm hearing this call for an impeachment. Let me put out a warning for anybody who is calling for the impeachment of Joe Biden. Do you know what that means? Do you understand what that means if Joe Biden were to be impeached and found guilty? That means Kamala Harris is your new president. Is that what you want? Do you want Cameltoe as the president? Look, Biden is going to fuck things up for the next three plus years. Well, three years because he's nine months into his presidency. He's going to fuck everything up. But the one thing we can't do is we cannot at this point allow them to impeach him to put quite possibly the most horrific human being in government today in the White House unless about this ladies and gentlemen unless that was the plan all along let's switch some gears here if you're familiar with the website OnlyFans and I've heard of it I've never actually been on it um, a couple of weeks ago this website had announced that they were going to be banning pornographic content the reason that they claimed they were going to do this was because the bank that was subsidizing them would no longer subsidize adult content so they were going to ban it and it was it was to the point where only fans financially was looking as though it was not going to last and then they made the decision that they were ah eh, they're going to backtrack they got private funding and they are going to allow pornographic explicit content again now here's the thing i as i said have never been on the website i am not I'm a grown-ass man, and I have no interest in porn. I I do not understand the allure. But I want to make this abundantly clear. If a woman wants to make money by selling her body, that's her business. This is where the libertarian side of me comes out. Porn is... Whether you like it as an art form or not, it is covered under the First Amendment. We've had court cases that covered this. It's covered under the First Amendment, be it hardcore pornography that's actually people having sex, or whether it be women pleasing themselves or just simply showing off their bodies. It's permissible content. It is legal. And it should be the right of a woman or a man or whatever. A legally consenting adult who is of sound mind to be able to make the decision to show off their body. That is their business, and they have every right to do so on a platform that permits it. A person has every right to make money utilizing their body. There is zero difference between using your body in a pornographic fashion to make money and using your body and your mind and your motor skills to, say, wire a house. There is no difference. They are both skills. They are both trades that a person learns to ply. A woman who performs in a pornographic manner that is good enough at her job is going to make a significant amount of money on a platform that permits such content, just as a great general contractor is going to make a lot of money Applying his trade, there's no difference. To sit here and say, "Oh, well, no, porn is, is disgusting. It's disturbing. It's against the Bible." Well, you know what? <laughs> That's the problem. And, and you're talking to a newly reborn Christian. But the Bible can be interpreted in so many different ways, and every version of it—be it the the Torah, the Quran, the Christian Bible—it doesn't matter. It does not matter. All Bibles, all religious texts th- can be interpreted differently. So there is no legal standing to say that a woman does not have the right to perform in a pornographic fashion. You do. You, just, you simply do. Because it is your body. Bodily autonomy is one of the most important issues that we could be f- centered on right now especially with the mask mandates, especially with the vaccine mandates. Bodily autonomy is a critical issue. And that pertains to a woman or a man who wish to engage in pornographic action for money. It's your body. It's your business. And it just, it leaves me asking a very simple question. If you cannot Legally or ethically, whichever one you want to look at, if you cannot sell your body or the performance art of your body, if you cannot sell that as a product, then how can you honestly say that you possess your own body? Whether you like it or not, it's your body to do with what you want. It's their body to do with what they want, I should say. They can sell it. They can show it off. They can do whatever they want. It's not yours. It's not your decision. It's not your place to tell somebody they cannot. It's not your place to make laws to ban it. If you do not like the content, simply don't watch it. Much like I came to a conclusion, I personally I, I am absolutely disgusted by the politics of a musician that I have considered the author of the soundtrack to my entire life, Bruce Springsteen. I'm absolutely disgusted by his political motivations, but let me tell you this much. There is nothing in the world that could ever take that giant Exxon sign away from my memory. I choose to continue to listen to his content even though I disagree with his politics. That is my right. Just as... It is, in fact, Bruce Springsteen's right to be a liberal piece of shit. And it hurts. But you cannot tell me that simply because his politics are absolute garbage that Born to Run is not one of the actual and absolute greatest albums ever recorded, because it is. We're going to be right back in just a moment. We're going to start talking some sports. We'll be back in just a second on The Terry Wilkerson Show. Hey, got a second? Go check out www.terrywilkerson.com. You'll thank me. I promise. And we are back on The Terry Wilkerson Show. We're going to talk some baseball, and you know that means I'm going to be talking some Yankees. What the hell happened? We went from a 13-game winning streak to now a four-game losing streak, two losses to Oakland and now two to uh, the Los Angeles, California, Angels of Oakland, Anaheim, whatever the hell their name is today. This This is weird. It's a tale of two seasons for the Yankees. And we're back to the beginning of the season where they can't move runners over, they can't the, the bullpen still sucks. The bullpen has sucked all year. I don't. I do not understand the people who want to say, "Oh well, Chapman is just going to." No, Chapman sucks. All right, Araldus Chapman is a failure and needs to go. I, I think I would rather have Dave Rigetti back, and he's what seventy, and he's I believe he's the pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants. So he would at least hold a little bit more credibility in my mind than Araldus Chapman does. But the the Yankees started out the season terribly. The three true outcomes idea is just, it's destroying the game of baseball. And the Yankees are absolutely mired in it. And then came the trade deadline. And Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. And then all of a sudden... Here comes Andrew Velasquez, and things change. They start situational hitting, station to station. They start bunting. They start stealing bases. In fact, no team in Major League Baseball has more stolen bases since the All-Star break than the Yankees do. And they start actually playing situational ball. They start scoring runs. Giancarlo Stanton gets hot simply because he gets moved back to the outfield. I, and I won't lie to you, to me, that's that's a prima donna thing. Now he's getting the attention. He's back in the outfield. You know, he's in every inning of every game. So now he cares enough to actually try to hit the ball the other way. I know I'm probably just being ridiculously hard on Stanton. I don't like the guy. I've made that clear. I don't like him as a Yankee. He has absolutely no way whatsoever. To change my mind, I will never be a Giancarlo or Mike or whatever his name is today. Stanton fan. Uh, same thing with, with Aaron Judge. You know, I you he Aaron Judge can prove himself, but he's not going to. He's I do not see Aaron Judge ever regaining. The stature that he had in 2017, I just don't see it happening. But now the Yankees are really starting to suck ass again. At four straight losses, may not seem like a whole lot to say a Pittsburgh Pirates fan or a Baltimore Orioles fan, but for a Yankees fan who just sat through a 13 game winning streak, four game losing streak is bad. It's heartbreaking. And, of course, last night we had the uh, Shohei Ohtani steal of home. I I guess that's what it's being recorded as in the official scorecard. If you weren't watching the game, um, Shohei Ohtani was on third. Uh, I forget who the Los Angeles Angels had on first, but he breaks for second. And Gary Sanchez with a bad throw to second to try and get him, not even thinking, oh, wait, Shohei Ohtani is on third. So, as soon as the throw goes off to second, Otani breaks for third. This is one of the oldest trick plays in the book. And here's the thing. The throw comes back to Gary, and Otani was out by a mile. But the home plate umpire calls him safe. And Aaron Boone, in his infinite wisdom, does not challenge. Okay? Um, sure. I, I... I'm done with Boone. I've said this before. But Otani was clearly out. And you see so many arguments on I was on Twitter this morning, so many arguments on social media that no, he he was safe, you know, he got his wrist in before the tag or he got his fingers in and Gary tagged the wrist or whatever of a multitude of excuses that people were making today on social media. He was out. And if it were not for the fact that he is Shohei Ohtani, supposedly the best player in the game today, I say that with all the sarcastic quotation marks and messed up letters I can possibly muster. Oh, yeah, he's hit 40 home runs. He's also hitting 262. I'm sorry, that is not a top-tier player, even in this day and age when a 230 batting average is, is acceptable, 262 with 40 home runs, oh, and 20 stolen bases, oh, and don't forget his pitching stats, I'm, I'm going to forget all of that. Otani is a very good player, but stop fucking comparing him to Babe Ruth. Stop comparing him to Mike Trout. He is not the best player in the game, and last night, he was just playing out. Aaron Boone needs to get his head out of his ass and start making these challenges when they need to be made. And baseball needs to get its head out of its collective ass and stop pushing Fernando Tatis Jr. and Shohei Otani as being the future of the game. Because right now, all I see is hot-dogging and showboating out of both of them. Now, you want to talk showboating. We're going to depart from the Yankees. We're going to go across the city. You may or may not have heard of this uh, incident with Javier Baez and... Francisco Lindor, who is just absolutely shitting the bed in his first year as a Met, they began doing a thumbs down as a celebration to counter the fact that the Mets fans are booing them. And if the Mets fans boo you, you know you're playing absolutely terribly. And then, of course, the Mets ownership steps in. Steve Cohen steps in. This is not acceptable. This is not what we want from our players. And and quite frankly, I think it is disrespectful to the crowd. I think it's disrespectful to Mets fans. I think it's disrespectful to baseball fans for Baez and Lindor to be doing this thumbs down thing. You're getting paid exorbitant amounts of money every year to play a child's game that I dream of every single night. And your reaction, your childish reaction to playing this child's game is to give a thumbs down to the fans. Cohen jumps in, says this is not acceptable. And, of course, Baez and Lindor both apologize. Well, you pissed me off even more with the apology because stand by your guns. Stick to your beliefs. If you want to give the fans a thumbs down, then do it. But stand behind it. And the biggest takeaway for me out of all of this is, what do you expect, Rob Manfred? What do you expect, Steve Cohen? What does Major League Baseball in general expect when you champion guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., Jose Bautista, uh, Ronald Acuna, who I believe is a phenomenal young player? But when you champion these guys with their bat, bat flips and their hot dogging and their showboating, what do you expect? The next logical step is the reaction that these players are going to have to the fans. The thumbs down is no different ...than a bat flip after a a home run. No different whatsoever. But baseball wants to pretend they are completely different. Baseball needs to make some serious changes... ...regarding the sanctity of the game. And you can call me an old-fashioned... ...fuddy-duddy, old fart, whatever you want. Call me an old motherfucker. The game needs to change. And it needs to change in a way where... ...the integrity of the game stays in place... We need to go back to, you just hit a home run? Fantastic. Put your head down and run the fucking bases. I don't care how young and exciting you are. Show some respect for the game. And that goes all the way to the Tatises. That goes all the way to the Bautistas. And I will never forgive that. That home run against the Texas Rangers was the most disgusting display Throwing the bat, standing there like he just won the WWE title. Baseball needs to stop this shit. It needs to end. Because it's going to end up with stuff like this. It's going to end up with Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor giving the fans a thumb down. Same goddamn thing. And here's the problem, baseball. MLB, Rob Manfred, Tony Clark, you asked for this. You may not think you did, but by... Saying, oh, let the kids play. Well, guess what? The kids are playing. And the kids are now playing with the future of your game. Are you convinced yet? Be right back. Just as loud as if you were actually at a track. Let's start with a little bit of NASCAR. The playoff field has been set for both the Cup Series and the Camping World Truck Series. We'll start out with the Truck Series here. John Hunter Nemechek is sitting in first place. Austin Hill in second. Ben Rhodes, Todd Gill, and Sheldon Creed round up the top five. And your bottom five of the top ten are Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, Carson Hochevar, Stuart Friesen, and Chandler Smith. These are the ten who are going to be competing for the Gander—see, I'm still— One year they call it the Gander, and I get hooked on it. Camping World Truck Series. These are your ten drivers who are going to be going after the Truck Series Championship. I kind of have to put my money on John Hunter Nemechek. He's been he hasn't quite been dominant. I mean, believe he's only up something like two or three points in the standings, but just he's he's got that groove. John Hunter Nemechek, I think, is really going to win it. We're going to this weekend when we kick back into racing, we'll find out if he starts off strong or not uh so th- th- who who knows I, the truck series is the one that i've actually been able to watch the least of this year because the schedule has been all over the place i do love truck racing though and uh you know a lot of uh, a lot of faith in John Hurt and check taking this one now the cup series playoffs have been set Kyle Larson is sitting in the number 1 spot obviously because he has been the dominant driver in cup all year long. Ryan Blaney, who just run one two back-to-back races, sits in the number two. My boy Martin Truex Jr., that number 19. Joe Gibbs, the JGR machine. Let's go Truex, 19 and 21. He's sitting at number three. Kyle Bush, number four, Chase Elliott, number five. Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, Hamlin, William Byron, Joey Logano, Boo, Brad Keselowski, Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, the surprise Daytona winner. Eric Amarola, Tyler Reddick, and Kevin Harvick make up the rest of the field. Kevin Harvick still chasing championships after all these years. That's just amazing. I, I Harvick's been around since the early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken, and a 15 plus year NASCAR career. That is just amazing. And, you know, Kevin Harvick, you could tell he's kind of winding down, but um, man, a, a, he's just had a phenomenal career. And. Quite honestly, if I had to put money on it, I mean, obviously, I would love to put my money on Martin Truex Jr. It would be great to have that second title. You're not catching Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson is the champ. He's going to run away with this one, regular season champ, and that guy is going to end up being your, uh, your overall champion. Right, your NASCAR Cup Series champion, overall champion. All right, and by the way, right now over in the Xfinity Series, we still have two races to go until the field is set. But right now, A.J. Allmendinger sits at the top. Austin Sendrick, Justin Allgaier, Daniel Hemrick, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Jeb Burton, love his show on My Outdoor TV. Noah Gregson, Brandon Jones, and Jeremy Clements are your top ten. Two more races to go before that field is set. I uh, believe I already addressed the fact Ryan Blaney won over the weekend. He won the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona. You know, winning Daytona is huge. It doesn't matter whether it's the spring race. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the 500 or if it's this race. Daytona is the track in NASCAR. It's the track in cup. You know, it's the track in stock car racing. Who are we kidding? You think of the great tracks. You think of Daytona. You think of Talladega, Bristol, Texas, Texas. Indianapolis you know those are the tracks and Ryan Blaney has won a race at Daytona that's one thing they will never be able to take away from this kid he won at Daytona (laughs) and um, he sits in number two you know just you know he coming on strong at the end he sits in number two in the slots and will the will Ryan Blaney actually be in the top four when that final race comes down I, I don't know I'm looking at this field specifically in Cup. I'm looking at this field of 16, wondering to myself who are going to be the first four cuts. And if I have to pick right off the top of my head as I'm looking at it, I'm going to say the first four out are Michael McDowell, Eric Amarola, Tyler Reddick, and probably uh, Christopher Bell. I think those are your first four. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see Christopher Bell and Michael McDowell. I'd like to see those guys actually advance on to the round of 12. I just get the feeling those are your first four that are going to hit the road. We'll we'll find out if I'm right. I'm going to try to um, remember to get this prediction in every time as we move on into the playoff series. Uh, Same here over in the Camping World Truck Series. I think your first uh, eliminations are – this one's a tough one, but I'm going to have to go with Carson Hochevar and uh, Chandler Smith are going to be your first eliminations, so – Uh, there is your NASCAR report. I really wanted this year to get a little bit more in depth with the NASCAR report because last year when I was doing this on the Tarant Sports Show, it was more like, you know, um, Kyle Busch won the race. He's now in third place in the points. I would have loved to. I just... It is so difficult, you know, trying to put together a show when you have news on the front end and then you try to do this sports update on the back end. It's just kind of difficult getting everything together. I really do... I love NASCAR. I wish I had more time to actually – I wish I had more time to watch the races this year. I have so many dvr that I never got around to watching. Uh, I've, I've watched a lot more roots racing, a lot more dirt track, and a lot more um, NBC Sports Gold Track Pass. Great, uh, great app there. I've watched a lot more local racing than I have cup racing even for that matter, Uh, but certainly Xfinity and truck racing. I have not watched enough, so I wish I could go a little bit more in depth. Just bear with me. I am working on getting this, you know, together next year, next season, man. we, We have plans to really up our coverage because that's what we do on the Terry Wilkerson Show. We do whatever the hell we want. Back in one second with your professional wrestling update. Okay, back with the pro wrestling update, and realistically, there's only one thing I need to talk about. At least it was only one thing I need to talk about until two things just popped up in my uh, in my research as I was doing this, the prep for this show. The first thing I want to talk about is NWA seventy three, the return of Ric Flair to an NWA ring. Just saying that out loud gets you choked up if you're a wrestling. F- but he cuts this promo about how much he loves Vince McMahon, how much he loves Triple H, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, all the guys who, in his words, picked him up when he was down. He talked about how much he loved his wife, Wendy, talked about how much he loves professional wrestling, how he lived and breathed professional wrestling in Kansas City, which is where NWA 73 was held, or St. Louis, I should say, where NWA 73 was held at the Chase Ballroom. I mean, you goosebumps again you know Ric Flair at the chase NWA and he talks about how WWE needs competition how wrestling needs all these different brands to make it better to push the business further and and as usual Ric Flair is spot on with everything that comes out of his mouth and just something about that old school 70s set and seeing Nate just walk out and take that mic and You know, he says in the promo that um, Billy Corgan, you know, asked him to be there. And Rick thought, oh, maybe I'm getting a title shot. And then it was laughed off. And uh, apparently Rick said, well, can I say a few words? And Corgan's response was, you're Ric Flair. You could do whatever you want. I mean, and that just shows how much Billy Corgan loves and respects professional wrestling. And, you know, Ric Flair is such an emotional guy. And he's the greatest performer in the history of the sport. And he just he needed to be there. He belonged there. And seeing Ric Flair, the greatest of all time, in that ring in an NWA ring. God, the only thing that that could have been better is if Flair had worked the match against Nick Aldis for the belt. Uh, which, by the way, <laughs> Trevor Murdoch won the NWA World Heavyweight Title. And say what you want to about his WWE run in the early 2000s with Lance Cade, but you know. Trevor Murdoch did it, man. He won the NWA title. Th- still, in my head, yes, the NWA title is still the world's title. And uh, it, it, I, I know the NWA is nothing but a small indie promotion. It's not what it used to be, but it's still the NWA. It still carries that gravitas. It's still the belt is still Sweet Charlotte, the ten pounds of gold. It's still that most iconic world title belt in wrestling history. And Ric Flair was there. I highly recommend you go out <clears throat> and you uh, you watch NWA 73. Get it on Fight TV or, you know, whatever channel it is you happen to use to um, to watch uh, professional wrestling pay-per-view. Uh, watchallwrestling.com. And watch the NWA 73 pay-per-view. Great show. The Empower All-Women's pay-per-view the night before the final match of Awesome Kong. Booked by Mickey James, so of course it's phenomenal. So NWA 73, go back and watch it. Ric Flair back in the ring for the NWA, cutting that promo. Congratulations to Trevor Murdoch. That was uh, it was a beautiful moment, especially with that bulldog off the top. Holy shit, it felt like the 80s all over again. Uh, the two things that I want to hit on real quick before we get out of here that came up in my research right a few minutes ago as I was doing this particular segment. Number one, um, Roosh the former ring of honor world champion is going to have knee surgery. So he's out for at least the remainder of 2021. Roos of course, just recently lost the ring of honor world title to Bandito. And you could, you could tell that we're building up to a rematch. Bandito had the, the match against flip Gordon that he was signed on for. That was uh, because flip Gordon had won the tournament and now he gets his title shot. Well, you could tell that Roos was going to end up getting the rematch but now, hey, who knows? We could be looking at the middle of twenty twenty two. We could be looking in the beginning. Roosh is out for the rest of the year, and that's just kind of that's a huge blow to Ring of Honor. They don't have a lot of big name international stars that are recognized internationally. I don't want to take anything away from anybody in Ring of Honor because it is my favorite indie out there. Although Game Changer Wrestling is really taking a bite out of that. But to lose Roosh, a guy who has appeal in Japan, Mexico, and in the U.S., huge, huge blow. The other thing, unfortunately, I don't know how many of you guys out there have heard about this, but uh, Rikishi, the WWE Hall of Famer, uh, his niece was murdered in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, His niece, uh, Jadea. I'm sorry, I'm horrible with Samoan names, but I believe it's pronounced uh, Jada Tofa Ono. Jada. At any rate, Rikishi's niece go onto to his Twitter because I'm butchering the name. And I just feel terrible about that. His 16 year old niece was murdered and Rikishi is just he's desperate to find out what's going on. He's actually offering a fifty thousand dollar reward for anybody who has information leading to the capture of the person or people responsible for the murder of his niece on july 30th i hadn't even heard about this this is you know brand new to me but it did happen a month ago and you know hey you know, use the hashtag justice for uh, go on rikishi's twitter because i'm not butchering a samoan name for one thing samoans are badass and number two i don't want to dishonor this girl's memory but go to rikishi's um, twitter and and use the hashtag justice for his niece and uh, that, that's just horrible and you know hopefully rikishi and the entire family get some type of peace i mean uh in ways i won't get into i can really kind of empathize with what rikishi's going through right now but <laughs> there's a lot of things you guys don't know and, and honestly i i feel for rikishi i feel for the family i know not precisely what he's going through well, actually no no that's a lie i know precisely what he's going through you know rikishi uh God bless you, God bless your niece and, uh, you know, hopefully they do find, you know, the killer because that's taking a 16 year old life like that something has to be done, you know God's going to get them, but until he does, the San Francisco Bay Area police need to get them well uh, rest in peace, uh, Jada and uh, Rikishi, you know all the love in the world for you okay this brings us to the end of our show thank you very much for tuning in this uh this has been the terry wilkerson show episode 69 thank you for joining us thank you for being here we will see you next episode have a fantastic week till all are one The Terry Wilkerson Show is a 1975 Productions podcast, a division of 1028 Media. The Terry Wilkerson Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, of course our home platform of Anchor.fm, or wherever you download your fine podcast content. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and if you can, leave a five-star rating. Go to www.terrywilkerson.com for more information and to sign up for our newsletter. Thank you.